except for this one time. I think that it goes to show you how poisonous the relationship is, obviously, between Blake Wheeler and Andrew Ladd and Evander Kane. If he's calling those two guys out, the guys he played with, went to war with, quote-unquote, for the last number of years, if he's calling those two guys out as the guys he wanted, would want to fight the most. So teammates don't get along. I don't think it's those two guys he has to worry about. I think it's big number 33 he has to worry about. I would agree with you there. I think Bufflin will have, a, have his say in the matter as well. I'm looking forward to the game. I don't know about you, boys. Again, they? if they're healthy. Yeah, if he's healthy. Well, Zach Bogosian too, but then the fans don't dislike Zach Bogosian like they do Evander Kane. But both guys right now are injured. so, And they have an injury-riddled uh, past. So if you've got tickets for that January 10th game, you might want to have them on trigger to uh, <laughs> deal them off to, to a friend if, uh, if both those guys are hurt. Let's head to break. When we come back, we talk about the Nashville Predators and their signing of Matthias Ekholm to a contract extension. You're listening to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on TSN 1290. Matias Ekholm scoring for the Nashville Predators on the ice. He scored off the ice this week as well, signing a six-year, $22.5 million contract extension for the defenseman, an average annual value of $3.75 million per season. Welcome back to Hour 2 of NHL This Week. This segment brought to you by Keener Jerseys. Keener Jerseys has become known as the world's best jersey customizer. Keener's knowledge of jerseys is unsurpassed. If you want awesome jerseys for your team or have a jersey you want customized, visit Keener Jerseys online at KeenerJerseys.com or find them on your next opponent. I, I got to tell you, I saw like, I saw Keener yesterday. I didn't realize it was Keener. This jersey, I was on the air with Rick, um, who was distracting me because he lost his straw uh, for like three hours. It's hard to find this. But if the straw was found, Drew, don't worry. Was it the uh, straw on, that I, broke the camel's back? I, I'm, str- I'm going to need more information on the straw that I, I, the straw was lost, but the straw was eventually found with the straw. That that's a very Rick line right there. Is it the um, only straw they had? I need more on the straw. Rick didn't want my straw. I offered it. Granted, I can understand that. In any event, Keener walked by and he had an old '80s, and I didn't realize it was Keener until after, and then I didn't see him on the way out. Hold he, on, did you big time Keener? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I did. It was not. Richie, big time Keener. Mm. There we go. He's been big. Th- he's been big timing my child for the last six weeks yes, as well. Yes, I know, I know, I know. Speaking of that, I saw the baby. You are actually now. As he came to see the baby before <laughs> Sunday's game. As he is now Uncle Ezzy. He's confirmed as did Uncle Ezzy. Did he bring Ezzie. a gift? He didn't bring a gift. We talked about getting a gift. You didn't get a gift. My presence is a gift. Uh, Richard is now. He's been demoted from Uncle Richard to acquaintance Richard at best. He's True. Until he sees the baby. Come see the baby. I offered you. Friday may be a good day for the baby, but we'll talk about that later. The point is. Keener was wearing a jersey, an 80s blue Jets jersey. I have one myself. And he has Bufflin on the back. When you've got the, got the numbers on these, you've got the patches. It looks amazing, so he can do anything. I was going to suggest that people if, who got their number nine Kane jersey yes. and want to take Kane off the back and add Cop there, right. go check out Keener jerseys, keenerjerseys.com. I thought of Keener and the boys at, at Keener jerseys last night because if you Because you had Cop on the back too, but it was the wrong Cop. I was in a cop car, actually. He was actually being beaten by a cop at that point in time. There was a guy behind the Kings bench, if you noticed last night, that was wearing one of those retro Kings jerseys, and you could really spot him. It was the yellow Kings jersey like from the 70s, and because there weren't that many Kings jerseys, 
I noticed that there was one guy also wearing a new Kings Kopitar jersey, and then I saw him at the bar after the game, and as he walked into the bar, obviously the Kings won the game, and he just got booed mercilessly, and I felt bad for the guy because he couldn't go anywhere because he was standing in line. So, so what, anyways, I thought of Keener and Keener jerseys. What was this dog again in Sunday's game? The popcorn guy, who's also the fur coat guy, his name's Aaron Murky, dressed up uh, in a mass, in a dog costume and sat behind uh, Mike Yo for the entirety of the of the Wild Jets game on Sunday. Could he see through that thing? I assume that when you wear one of those mascot costumes, like I assume Mickey Moose can see through the through the costume. I mean, I've never been a well, mascot myself. Of course, myself. Mickey Moose can see, Drew. He's a mascot. But can the dog see? Well, it wasn't the it was a dog costume. Right, that's so true. it's similar to being a mascot. It's pretty much wearing the same thing. I, I imagine if he was, you know, if he was the mascot <laughs> yeah. for the. Do you think he walked through security as a, as a dog? I would do the same <laughs> thing. Like, do you get through security dressed as a dog? Do you think I, he got his shots? <laughs> he's he might have been rabid. Anyways, I don't know. that guy's awesome. Shout out to Aaron because that guy's hilarious. Uh, dog guy, popcorn guy, it's all good. MTS Center fans are the best. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Matthias Ekholm. Six years, yep. $22.5 million. We'll talk yep. about hockey. $3.75 million is the salary cap hit per year. Yep. You know, when you play on a defense that's got Shea Weber and it's got Seth Jones, you sort of, you know, are, get overlooked. Is Matias Ekholm. And Yossi. And Roman Yossi, too. Certainly. Ryan Ellis. And, and let's be honest. Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis probably aren't household names either. It's a top Yossi, five D in the NHL. Should be. should be. He's very yeah. good. I mean, we've talked about him on this, on this program and on Saturday's program a lot. Is Matias Ekholm just another one of those key cogs in that Predators oh. defense that's underappreciated? I, you know, I, Drew, I, I think so. I mean, he's not going to have the thing about some of the other guys on this squad is uh, they have some great foot speed. Ekholm's not going to be necessarily that guy. I think he's pretty good with the puck. Um, you know, three seven five. It surprised me a little bit that the numbers is it's fairly high, but they like what they see. They think he's a smart player. He helps their left side. Um, you know, him and Yossi on their left side, they envisioned that for a long time. And you look at the back end, and you see how much they're paying Ellis, Yossi, and, and Ekholm combined. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just over 10 mil for those three. They're going to have just over $20 million committed to five defensemen next year, not including Seth Jones and his new contract, as he's an RFA. Yeah, but see, that just depends on who you're spending it on. And I think you're spending it on the right guys is collectively here. I mean, you're you're gonna have if you're. We talked about it on the show when we broke down every defense in the league. This is a top three defense, probably. Yeah. So you better be paying them. I mean, and that's why they, that's why they're that's why they're good. You get what you pay for. Like Columbus, they don't pay for a defense. They don't have a good defense. Yeah, and Ekholm is never gonna win a Norris Trophy. No, no. He's 25 years old now. He, to me, Ekholm is kind of like a poor man's Tobias Enstrom. A little more physical, a little bit bigger, but he's not a, a huge guy. Very solid. He doesn't repre- move as well. Doesn't move as well. Represented Sweden internationally. He, he, he's a very solid defenseman. On this team, he's the fourth or fifth best defenseman. Like, he's behind Shea Weber. He's behind Roman Yossi. You mentioned he's behind Seth Jones. Ryan Ellis is a good defenseman. But if he's your fourth defenseman, then that's why you're signing him, right? Because at his age, you know he can move the puck, Richie. And you know that Shea Weber is going to play 25 or 26 minutes. You know Seth Jones is only going to play more and more and more. He usually plays with Ryan Ellis Mm -hmm. on the third pair there. It's the best third pair in the NHL. That's a second pair on most teams, Richie. This Nashville team, 
I thought would take a step back just because they had such a good start last year, Drew. But if you look at how they've played this year, six one and one, they haven't lost a step from last year. And I know it was disappointing for them to lose in the first round of the Chicago Blackhawks, mm-hmm. but they just don't have as much mm-hmm. talent as the Chicago Blackhawks. So the Predators, to me, Rich, are built a little bit too much like a team that can only succeed in the regular season. Fair point. Once you get into the Fair playoffs, point. I think they they struggle to to generate offense a little bit. They're not very deep up the middle. Well, They've got a lot of good right. players, and, right. and Colin Wilson, absolutely. obviously we know is the son of Kerry Wilson. He keeps getting better and better. Craig Smith is a really, really good player that I know that we all like. I mean, they've got they've got talent there. And, you know, Philip Forsberg, obviously. There's a lot of good young forwards on that team, and they're, they're probably going to be either a playoff team or on the cusp of a playoff spot because, as we know, there's going to be 14 teams really competing for a playoff spot in the West. Nobody's going to be out of it. Even Arizona and Edmonton don't look like they're going to just go away quietly yet. Well, Arizona certainly. Arizona's still churning along. I mean, Edmonton less so. But uh, Arizona really, just got uh, killed 6 nothing the other night, though, by Boston. Yeah, that's fine. But, but the, mean, po- the point being, Drew, that and Cal- right now Calgary oh, looks like oh, sure, no, sure. no team is going to be as bad as last year. Buffalo, Arizona, and Ed- Edmonton aren't going to be as bad as they were last year. They're most likely going to miss the playoffs, all three of those teams. But the NHL has gotten even more even than it was in previous years. Mm-hmm. And as Richie mentioned in the first segment, there aren't really any great teams. There aren't teams that are going to win 55 games anymore. So when you when you talk about a guy like Matthias Ekholm, I could see why David Poyle locked him up because even though you know he's not going to be a guy that's going to score 40 to 50 points every year, very solid defenseman, lock him up for $3.7 million. When you look at, Richie, some of the contracts that, are, that were handed out in the offseason yeah, to Andre exactly. Sakara and Jeff Petrie making $5 million a year, I'll take Matthias Ekholm over those guys. Well, I mean, what you have here is, I mean, David Poyle's pretty much you know locked in his def- defense for the next, you know, significant number of years the next you know five six years he knows who his six defensemen he's are going to be out for you at failures here so yeah. as his point is very well taken yeah i mean you're gonna you know barrett jackman's under contract for another year after this season and you hope at that one at that point in time one of your young defensemen is able to step in but you're gonna have you know six defensemen and you're probably gonna have one of the best defenses in the nhl for the foreseeable future you know barrett jackman's a 37, 38 years old now at this point. He's 34, but that's okay. Okay, well, point being that no, he's... No, but that point of the wear he's, and tear on the yeah, body. He's, 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 an older, old, he's yeah. an older defenseman. Sorry, I added right. a few years there. Well, you can, as in terms of the style of play that he... But, that he, that he, but he fits in nicely there. And he, and he was on the oh, yeah. Blues for many, many years. He's insulated mm-hmm. by the skating. Yep, and he, he adds that physical edge. You know, he doesn't play as much as he used to sure. when he was a, you know, a, a top-pairing, second-pairing guy. But he's fit in really nicely there. That... Predators' defense gets the puck out of their zone. They mm-hmm. can jump up, jump up into the play. It's a tough team to play against. It's not an easy team to play against, even though they struggle to score goals at times. It's not an easy an easy uh, battle when you go into their rink. And he makes you know he lets Seth Jones freelance a little bit because you know that Barrett Jackman's not going you know anywhere really near the, the you know the offensive blue line and yeah. you know he's always defense first thinking about it. So Seth Jones who you know can skate like the wind and is sort of I think just even beginning to you know come into his own as we all know it takes defensemen yeah. a little bit longer. But was it last year? Or was it two years ago? He had that tremendous rush here at MTS Center against the Winnipeg Jets. I think he scored on it if I recall correctly, but. I mean, Seth Jones, you know. That was his rookie year. Was that his rookie year? Yeah. Okay. You know, got to give a shout-out here to Phil Housley as well. I think he's done an excellent job there with the defenseman. Yeah. Assistant coach for the Nashville Predators, Phil Housley, certainly has. Uh, saw Seth Jones playing the under-16s here. MTS, I think Ezzy and I were at that game. This is years ago now. 
Well, he was talked about as a first overall pick. The fact that Mm -hmm. the Predators got him fourth overall in 2013 is is nothing short of incredible. Oh, that was the year that Colorado had had the first overall selection. And everyone said, okay, you know, Seth Jones, he's got the ties to the Denver community because his dad, Popeye Jones, played for the Nuggets and he grew up in Denver and everything else. And that's what it was. That was the McKinnon draft, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So, you know. McKinnon, who had the great rookie year, but is yeah, he hasn't been great since then. No, I he mean, hasn't been very good since. You know, and the, the Colorado. I mean, we should. We actually could probably spend a segment on the Colorado Avalanche. There's a lot of troubles going on in Denver. People thought that last year was a bit of an aberration, but the, the troubles have continued. Uh, that's the one Central Division team that's right now sort of a, you know, a bingo space on the, the free space on the bingo card. Yeah, that's one team you want to be calling on, seeing who's available. See if you can, you know, see mm-hmm. if desperate times call for desperate measures there. Well, they made a lot of moves in the off season, quite a few moves. Not maybe not as many as some teams, but they were right up there. And they are still struggling to score, and they're still struggling to keep the puck out of the net. And you got to think Patrick Waugh, his relationship with Joe Sackick, he's probably pretty safe there. But I wonder if he yeah. should be. Uh, when you look at all the points that they've left on the board, they're in seventh right now in the Central Division. They're really out of the playoffs picture right now. Uh, they got to turn it around quickly, or they're going to be out of the playoffs again this year. You can make the argument that a two, four, and one. I know it's only seven games into the season, but given the division that they're in, given the central division and the talent and the the arms race that the central division is, two, four, and one coming back from five points back of six points uh, out of a playoff spot right now is, is a tremendously difficult thing to do in that division. Yeah. Hard to believe seven games in, you're saying it, but you can make the argument. I should qualify quickly. The Ekholm actually has a year left on his deal. And then it kicks in. So that's what there's actually signing away one year of UFA, which makes the deal even to me more appealing for Nashville. Sure. Let's head to break. When we come back, we'll look at some of the injury problems around the NHL. You're listening to NHL This Week. We're live on TSN 1290. Seven eighteen in the evening, Wednesday evening, the 28th of October. You're listening to NHL This Week. A reminder, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, 12 noon this Saturday here on TSN 1290. We'll get you started. I can your, sleep in. You can sleep in. We'll get you started with your Jets and your Blue Jackets coverage. 12 noon for the Illegal Curve Hockey Show this coming Saturday. This segment of the program is brought to you by Bernstein's Deli, the official deli of Illegal Curve Hockey and the home of the Illegal Curve Sandwich. Conveniently located at Cordon and Lanark in the Cordon Village Mall, Bernstein's is a family-owned and operated traditional-style deli. Take it home or eat in their full-service restaurant. Bernstein's Deli has been Winnipeg's deli destination for nearly 30 years. For more information, find them on Facebook or at BernsteinsDeli.com. Because we were talking about Bernstein's Deli, this leads me to a funny story involving Ezra Ginsburg. Just qualify my, my mistake at the end of yes. the segment there. We're, n- a, we're nothing if not fastidious on the program. Yes, RFA after this year. That's what I originally said. So Yes, you confused yourself. Yes, with I the, did. It's, you really have been eating an entire truffle throughout the... Trifle. trifle. Pardon me. Trifle throughout this entire program. All day, actually. I've eaten this whole thing. Really? That's a lot of trifle for one person to, to consume. You know, shout out to Richie's mom. She made that. I had some... On the weekend for Richie's birthday, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to try it, but Richie has been eating the entire thing in front of us. Well, there's the two spoons. Oh, okay. Well, that's, he's actually eating yeah. with two spoons at the same time. It's like a sal- like like yeah, salad tongs. Will The reason why I'm not eating any is because I'm watching my weight a little bit, trying to slim hold down. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can you just eat like a chicken club, and then you're going to get the illegal curve sandwich after this? Well, there's nothing wrong with chicken. Chicken's healthy. Not fried chicken. Yeah, still still decent. There's <laughs> it's protein. 
It's protein. It is yeah. protein. We'll grant you that. I'm not sure that. I mean, I'm not sure that anybody's ever made the correlation that protein equals health I'm, all the time. I'm, I'm trying to reduce sweets. Like last time I was at Bernstein's Deli, I didn't get the Imperial cookie. <laughs> I usually like to have the illegal curve sandwich, then wash oh, it down God. with a nice Imperial cookie. Yes, oh, but you God. had your bacon candy. That defeats the purpose entirely. No, that's that's all good. If that's all good. You, you, what, that's was what, your story? You what was your story, Drew? Well, my story was that he ordered an illegal curve sandwich. Yes, that's right. Wasn't able to get to Bernstein's in time to pick it up before the show. This is before the show tonight. By this the way. is like within the last couple hours. Instead, stopped at a different place to pick up a sandwich, and then, then is going to and called Bernstein's deli to say he's going to pick up the sandwich after okay. the show. Pretty much, they're staying open later so that Ezzy can go get the sandwich like, after the, the sandwich? show. Two hours after eating a sandwich. Okay, hold on. You got to get the backstory. You were here with Aaron from Bernstein's yeah. Deli recording some new commercials, which yeah. hopefully will debut on Saturday's Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Yeah, I was here for an hour and a half recording three commercials. We actually did a new Linden Market Dental Center commercial as That's well. That's true. We did. So I was hungry, and it was 20 after 5. I had a 40 minutes before the show, so I thought, I'll listen to H&L. Drive to Bernstein's, pick up a sandwich. You could have also just sat in the studio and listened to HNL. That's true, but I was hungry, so I, 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 have, I, I have trouble believing you thought you could get in rush hour traffic. Yeah, you thought that. Is that actually what you thought? From from Pemina, where we are on Pemina, 14, I don't even know what the address is here, 1485 Pemina or something. Cordon. All the way to Cordon and Lanark and back in 40 minutes. Drew, I know these streets like the back of my hand. Every single time you come here, you get stopped by a train. You go down McGilvery, you jet down Waverly. If you don't get it, you can't get a train, though. The train could really screw things up. Well, everybody that would wow. drive would say you would actually avoid Waverly like the plague because it doesn't have the underpass. Yeah, but the, the other alternative is going down Pembina. Pembina is even more clogged up. So I, I, anyways, I thought I could do it. So needless to say, there's still an illegal curve sandwich waiting for me to pick up there afterwards. I know a few people there, so I'm going to still get my sandwich. But the commercials are going to be great, so look forward to that. Leads directly into injuries throughout the NHL, where Ryan Getzlaff is out 4 to 12 days with appendicitis, <laughs> which I suspect Ezzy might be missing Saturday's show with a similar uh, appendicitis. Uh, you know, the Ducks obviously struggling uh, to start obviously. the year. We'll talk to Eric Stevens of the OC Register coming up next segment. The Iceman cometh. The Iceman cometh uh, on the program in about eight minutes' time, uh, you know, just the Ducks can't score. They scored last night against Dallas. They were up 3 nothing. You think everything's going to be great, and then they managed to blow a three-goal lead. I mean, they score half of their whole their season output in the first period and then blow the game. And You, know, you mentioned, Drew, you think Bruce Boudreaux is going to take the hit for it. I said on, on the Saturday show, well, I think that's possible. I don't think he should. I, I haven't changed my mind over the four-day period. But I will say that you know, it's if I'm him, I'm obviously shaking my boots a little bit in terms of what's going on here. And you know what? It's uh, Getzlaff's injury obviously hurts. Sometimes teams get you know gather around and and, and it galvanizes them uh, uh, the loss of a player like that. However, when you're in when you're having trouble scoring, and a guy like that so naturally is able to create offense, especially for his teammates, it's going to make it especially difficult. And they're playing a very hard schedule right now. Sure. that's a big thing, Drew. They're on their big Central Division uh, kick right now. That's right. Uh, I think that Bruce Boudreaux probably bought himself some time. They should have won that game in Chicago. They yes. really should have. Yes. Um, they scored. But you know, they get off of the offensive schneid against Dallas. You in blow scoring a three goals. nothing lead on the road, Drew. I know Dallas yeah. is, does a very good offensive team, and the way in the fashion in which they blew it. Yeah, it, it's troubling. It, it, it certainly is troubling. But I think that, you know, I don't know if if he wasn't getting. I guess it depends on what happens tomorrow night uh, uh, in St. Louis. If he if if tomorrow night in St. Louis goes really bad, then you got two days off. Maybe you make a change at that point in time. But 
something tells me I don't know what it is. Something tells me they're they're rounding a corner and getting back to maybe You're switching. I am switching. I'm admittedly that's from Saturday. I watched the old pl- the old bait and switch. Yeah. I watched them play against the Blackhawks on whatever day that was. Uh, Monday, Sunday, can't remember anymore. I watched them play that game. They should have won that game. I think it was Monday. They should have won that game, and so that sort of led me to say, okay, I think you can see enough here that Bruno's well, not going to be under the. As I said on Saturday's show, I just think it's such a big deal for for Boudreaux to be looking at the standings every morning and seeing that he's in the Pacific Division and that the teams around him aren't performing particularly well. No, sure, Kings have won six in a row. But I mean, the other teams, mm-hmm. the, if you're in the Central right now and you're that far back, I mean, that is a, that is a daunting task. Mm-hmm. And although, Richie, the Columbus Blue Jackets start was very surprising and I don't think many people expected Todd Richards to be fired this early in the no, season. I, I think I think did. Anaheim's start is almost more surprising. Oh, it is more surprising because of Even the fact they're the they're promise. one game away last year from going to the Stanley Cup Finals. And a lot of people, by the way, were picking the Ducks to win the Cup this year. Sure. And I agree with you, Drew. Even though they're not in the Central, still you're in the Western Conference where you know there's a really good chance five teams in the Central are making it. Mm-hmm. So now you're pretty much. You have to finish top three in your you're, division. You're going to have to make up some points early on here. You can't keep losing, and you're right. They play St. Louis tomorrow night. That's a huge game against a, a very good team, a team that's going to be tops in the Central Division, first, second, third, most likely, right? And, you know, Bruce Boudreau, a, a guy that I really like and I'm a big fan of, and this team, it's more, though, than just the goal scoring. They're, they're having trouble scoring goals, but Freddie Anderson has struggled a little bit defensively, they're 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 having trouble transitioning out of their own zone, making bad reads. There doesn't seem to be a lot of cohesion. And you know, Getzlaff, I think we'd all agree, one of the best centers in the NHL, huge part of, you know, the Canadian success at the Olympics. He wasn't himself. Corey Perry struggled. It seems like out of the gate they just have been really sluggish. And they had a couple of games where they should have picked up some points. But, you know, for whatever reason, they're they're finding ways to lose. Yeah, you know, interesting that last year, second half of last year, they were cemented in first place Yeah, in the Pacific. So, I mean, maybe they think, and this is looking for explanations, maybe they thought, hey, another cakewalk. They can take their foot off the gas. Instead of taking their foot, because they took their foot off the gas a little bit in the second I, half of the year last oh, year. Oh, for sure. And I, and I, and I think that uh, you're dealing with a fairly arrogant squad over there. I mean, any team with Ryan Kessler on it has got a Kessler, Bexa. I mean, Perry. Yeah, it's not exactly lacking ego there. No, these guys have a pretty good chip on their shoulder to begin with. Uh, You know, fair point you make there, Richie. Um, You just look at it. I think that if the reason why I think Bruce Boudreaux is now safe, if they were going to get rid of him, it would have been after that game against Minnesota where they had something like 15 shots and they lost three nothing, and they looked. They didn't even look listless. They looked. You know, yeah, Minnesota usually does a great job, Drew, of limiting I opportunities. Know, 15 shots. Yeah. I mean, 15 shots when, you, when you've been talking about how important the game is and you know how we're going to turn the yeah, corner yeah. and everything yeah. else. It, that, was, that was a troubling sign. And I thought that you know if they had continued on that path, but they seem to have – maybe that was the valley, and now they're, they're climbing back upwards to being a more well, respectable team. this isn't the valley, team. what is? Well, if that wasn't the Valley, then yeah. you know, then you know, maybe the Valley comes tomorrow night against the St. Louis Blues. But you're right, Freddie Anderson. I mean, if you look at his numbers; oh, they're I not know. bad. Nine thirty-five, nine thirty-one save Freddie percentage. Anderson, I know he has oh. struggled last year in the playoffs. Right. You guys know on this show, I've said I think he's a pretty good goaltender, and he's a younger guy, and I think he's good. He's got the tools, mm-hmm. um, so I wouldn't write him off by any means. And yeah, you know, if you score what nine goals, <laughs> true. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. well, it's six it's, goals going to last night. They have nine goals and in nine games. And seven of those goals have come in, in two games. Yeah, and and I you shouldn't win any games. And I wasn't saying I, yet, I, I don't like Freddie Anderson. No, I, I was just saying that in certain games he's given up the bad goal. And, you know, it's no different with the Blue Jays, whether it's Marcus Stroman or, or R.A. Dickey or Mark Burley. If they're not getting any runs, they can yeah, they can throw true. no that's hitter. True. If they don't have any run support, they're not going to win games. You're absolutely correct about that. Let's head to break. When we come back, we'll bring in Eric Stevens of the OC Register, talk some more about the Anaheim Ducks. You're listening to NHL This Week. We're live on TSN 1290. in the evening here on NHL This Week alongside my colleagues Richard Pollock and Ezra Ginsberg. I'm your host, Drew Mandel. You can follow us on Twitter at IllegalCurve, Facebook.com slash IllegalCurve, and our website with the latest Winnipeg Jets news is IllegalCurve.com. Now, let's go live on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show Hotline. We are pleased to welcome to the program Eric Stevens. Eric covers the Anaheim Ducks for the OC Register. Eric, appreciate your time. Thanks very much for joining us this evening. Hey, Drew. Hey, thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it. Eric, brought you on to talk about the Anaheim Ducks. You know, in the wildest dreams of hockey fans, yeah. you know, this is Anaheim Ducks team probably was most, peop- most pundits' prediction as a Stanley Cup champion. The Ducks can't score goals, and it's amazing to say that with a roster of Getzlaff and Perry and Kessler, and I mean the offensive talent on paper is tremendous. How is it that the Anaheim Ducks cannot score? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know what I tell you what uh, it seems like there, there aren't a lot of people that have a lot of answers, and that probably even includes the coaching staff and the players and uh, us that write about them and uh, just about everybody. Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll be you know, happy to have find someone that'll find answers for that. You know, I, I think, you know, for one, in the majority of their early games, quite frankly, I don't think that they created enough scoring chances. I think they'd be the first ones to uh, to tell you that. Um, I think coming out of the gate, uh, you know, initially, even in the season opener, uh, with the way San Jose, you know, kind of came at them throughout the game and was persistent and came with speed or far. Uh, you know, I, 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 frankly, I think that they were maybe taken a little bit aback with just the the kind of intensity that um, opposing teams were coming at them uh, from the start of the year. And you know what? That's probably because they they had the they were wearing the bullseye, and and everybody else was aware that uh, uh, that Anaheim was, you know, the uh, the sexy pick to uh, either you know play for the cup or win the cup uh, this year. So. I think you know that was part of that, um, but you know they've now run across a couple of games. That, you know they've had a couple of games where they did play pretty well, but they ran into hard luck, and you know things just sort of compound and uh, you know compound. And when when guys, uh, you know even even the biggest stars uh, can you know suffer through a lack of confidence when you know they see scoring chances that they normally bury eight out of ten times uh, get turned away. Eric, the sixty-four thousand dollar question right now is. How safe is Bruce Boudreaux's job right now? Well, you know what? I, I, I think, you know, it, it, it is obviously the, the big question here. Uh, I think for right now, it, you know, safe, is, that's a tricky word. You know, is there heat on him? For sure. I mean, you know, there's no question. I think any coach, you know, with the kind of expectations that they have, you know, the, the, the roster that was put together, 
and the start that they have, I think any coach is going to be feeling some 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 heat. I think right now, you know, for Bob Murray, firing Bruce Boudreaux is probably the last resort move, and, and and that's why a move hasn't been made to change the coaches right now. And this is the first time that that Bruce has say endured this kind of adversity in the regular season with the Ducks. Uh, you know, he had the initial first year where he, you know, replaced Randy Carlisle, and then they ripped ripped off three straight Pacific Division titles and won a bunch of games in the regular season. This is the first bit of real adversity that uh, he's faced. So I think Bob is giving Bruce um, some time, giving him this road trip at least um, to you know find to, to to try to get this team going in the right direction. Uh, but it's certainly taken much longer than anyone have anticipated. And certainly, you know, if they lose tomorrow in St. Louis and, and if there's, you know, and if he's still coached by then and if there's more losses, there's just going to be only, uh, you know, more and more heat turned up on him. Do you, do you think, Eric, yeah, I find it interesting, you know, when they had did the HBO 24-7 on, on the Caps and the Pens and you kind of saw Bruce Boudreaux, you got an inside look and it's kind of unfair to him almost of him maybe losing the room in Washington a bit. Do you think that the public perception of him changed by that, and maybe they're expecting him to be fired more so than they would somebody else? Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, that, that's a good question. And, and, you know, yeah, a lot of people in seeing that series and, uh, you know, whatsoever, you know, kind of got the impression that, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's sort of uh, this guy that, you know, you know, flies off the handle at the right, first right. bit of adversity or her, or, you know, or whatsoever. I can, you know, I can tell you this players like playing for him. I think, mm-hmm. you know, generally speaking, players like playing for him. He's, he's, he's a, you know, that quote unquote player friendly type of coach where, you know, if you, if you do, you know, the things according to, you know, his system, if you do the things that he wants whatsoever, he's going to allow you the freedom to, you know, operate on the ice. And, uh, you know, and, and, and he's Gabby. You know, he, he's a personable guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the type where you can't go up and talk talk to him. Uh, you know, he's certainly not the, the intimidating type or, or whatsoever. So, you know, I've been told from you know players even during this this bad stretch here that you know they they insist it, that this is not Bruce's fault, and players are often going to say that, but right. uh, they're almost adamant in saying you know this isn't on Bruce. You know, they're the ones that's not performing, and I think that's one of the reasons why he's still coach right now. Is that you know I think you know Bob's looking at it and he's seeing a bunch of players, um, you know that uh, he's assembled that, who aren't performing, and he's going to try to see if you know they get it before pulling the plug on his coach. And we were having the conversation, Eric, on Saturday's show talking about him, and, and I voiced the opinion, I don't think he should be fired. You know, I think we agreed on whether he should be fired or not. We don't think he should be. And you look at his record, um, sure he's had issues, and we've pointed out in the show, Game 7s have been a problem for his teams and the lack of performance. But having said that, you know, he goes losing first round Game 7 a couple years ago, then he goes to the second round Game 7, then he goes to the third round Game 7. So I'm sure the Ducks would take... Stanley Cup Finals Game 7 here if he continues to get better year after year. How does this 10-game or 9-game nine, nine sample size suddenly outweigh the three years of success? Well, yeah, and, and that, that's, that's, you know, that's the real key there. What we know about Bruce, yeah, 
yeah, we know about obviously the the disappointing losses and the game seven and even the game sixes and and letting Mm -hmm. three two series leads go away. So yeah, there are the questions about his you know playoff um, you know moves behind the bench, but what he's proven in Anaheim in Washington, he can navigate a team over an eighty two game schedule. Uh, I think that that goes without saying. So I think that's one of the things in in deciding okay whether Bruce can you know lead this team out of it is what is his track record and his ability to be able to turn around struggling teams you know and I think another key and the key part of this too is what's out there right now in terms of you know coaching candidates I mean John John Tortorella is is, is already now employed you know, yeah, it's been speculated about Randy Carlisle coming back whatsoever. But I'm, you know, I'm not sure that Bob Murray wants to go that route again. You know, given what happened, you know, previously when you know he, you know, when he was already looking for Bruce Boudreaux um, as, as he was considering, you know, firing Randy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back in the 2011 or, or 2010. So. Yeah, it's you know who's who's really out there. I mean, is there really you know another coach that you could say right now in season that you can get that's going to be better than than Bruce Boudreaux right now? So Bob Bob Murray's got a lot in his plate right now in terms of a lot of you know key decisions to you know to make here. Uh, you know they just need wins right now. They need wins. Uh, Bruce, Bob, everybody involved uh, to turn down some of this heat. Eric Stevens is our guest on NHL this week. He covers the Anaheim Ducks for the OC Register. Eric, we know that you know this, uh, the coaching is you know the cliche is they always try to make a trade before they would do anything with the coach. Is there a trade? Is there a possibility? Is there somebody that you know you, you think could be you know made available to other teams that might try and shake up the roster as opposed to going the coaching uh, uh, coaching way first? You know the, the the thing the thing is with the trades. You know, for one, I you know I I don't know if you just want to make a trade just for the sake of making a trade. Uh, you know, he, he's got, and and especially you know if to make a, a a big one. Yeah, you know, maybe you can make maybe say a, a sort of a more minor. I think we may have just lost Eric. I'm not sure. We'll try and get him back on the line. That just uh, ended abruptly. Must uh, you know the cell phones? Uh, that Eric sort of needs thing. to trade Verizon for Sprint. That would be, yeah, it's a good. That's the, yeah. It's a good deal for him. You know, something like that. So we'll get Eric back on the line momentarily. You know, yeah, and you, Eric's been covering the team for a while now, and I think what you hear from his voice, Drew, and you hear from his comments there, are a club that wants to save their coach's job as much as possible. Sure. And, and you know, and he's right. They will pay lip service to the coach and saying the right things, but it sounds uh, pretty genuine there. And, and he is a likable guy, Bruce Boudreaux. Um, they know what the other option is. And that <laughs> Randy Carlisle is, is more yeah, of a disciplinarian. Yes, than, he is true. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And these guys have already been through Randy Carlisle and everything else. So, uh, I think we have, uh, I think we have Eric back on the line. Well, m- coming well, up in a second. Yeah. I mean, hopefully Eric wasn't traded while we, uh, <laughs> lost him there. Eric, are you back with us? Yeah, I'm back with you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Good to have you back, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Good to be back. Um, yeah, so uh, I know we were talking about uh, the possible trades, yeah. uh, you know, uh, or, or looking at a trade or whatsoever. I, you know, I, I'm not sure if you want to just make a trade just for the sake of making one. Um, and certainly, I don't know if you can make a, a real big trade at this stage. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's, let's remember that Bob Murray has signed a lot of his key guys to long-term extension so uh, 
you know, teams unless unless you're able to get a, a player with with an you know that say equal value that has equal term uh, left on the, on their deal, that's the only way you can you know possibly make something of that. So, you know, Bob's brought in players. Oh, 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 he's made his moves over the summer, and so far they haven't delivered. Uh, you know, I think that's really the real key, and it's been trying to incorporate some of those new players with the holdovers that all that also aren't performing. That's been the real issue right now. Yeah, no, Eric. Speaking of potential moves, the Ducks, Bob Murray made quite a few moves in the off season, trading for Carl Hagelin, giving up Emerson Edom to the New York Rangers, and then getting Carl Hagelin, signing Kevin Bieksa, bringing Chris Stewart in, bringing Sean Horkoff in. Of those four players. To you, which player has made the biggest impact? <laughs> wow! Quite honestly, I think Mike Santarelli's probably made the biggest impact. That's number five. <laughs> um, yeah, and and he's been he's the lowest. Uh, you know, he, he was he was sort of an afterthought. You know, sort sort of just an, a depth guy, and he's he's their leading goal scorer. So <laughs> that goes to show you what uh, you know the state of those moves have been. Uh, Carl Hagelin has shown some signs the last couple of games. Uh, in fact, uh, he was dealing with an injury in, in, in training camp that uh, wasn't really disclosed until recently. Uh, he said that he's feeling the best that he's felt uh, since joining the Ducks. So uh, he even scored uh, last night in Dallas. Uh, Sean Horkoff also scored. Uh, you know, Kevin Bieksa, I think, I think frankly, it's kind of, it has struggled, uh, you know, a bit uh, just in terms of, you know, and, and you wonder if that's system-oriented or, in, or, or whatsoever. So, it's taking it's taken a lot of time. Again, it's taken much more time than they anticipated in terms of uh, incorporating these these new guys. But um, it, you know, some some positive signs have been shown by uh, a couple of these additions here in recent games. You talk about you know the, the play on the ice of some of those guys, Eric. They're also bringing in you know big personalities here. Uh, guys who've been around around for a while and, and veteran players who you know obviously have more time to develop their personalities. Is there is there any question that there's a good chemistry in the room? Is that a problem at all? Uh, you know I don't I don't think that there's say a real problem. I mean it's it's you know it's still early. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's still early. You know really if anything I don't think anyone's a problem. I think it's just again just trying to incorporating. You know, a number, several guys. They made a lot of turn, a lot of changes. Uh, there was a you know a fair amount of turnover for a team that got the game seven of the mm-hmm. Western Conference Finals. And maybe you can argue that maybe there was too much uh, turnover. Um, you know, for a team that that was that, was that successful. I, I think they would have been fine with you know even a slower start or even losing a few games while they incorporated a number of these new guys. You know, some of them like Bieksa who played in you know with one organization for over a decade mm-hmm. um you know and, and and they're trying to get adapted to you know new systems a new way uh, you know new way of uh, you know doing things with a new team i think they would have, they would have accepted you know a, a, a sort of a slow start out of the gate but uh, again no one no one anticipated it and no one is accepting uh, the start that they've had right just now Eric Stevens covers the Anaheim Ducks for the OC Register. Eric, really appreciate your time this evening, and I guess we'll keep a close eye on what happens in Anaheim as they uh, continue to struggle at the start of the year, and we'll see what the next move is for the Anaheim Ducks. It's going to be an interesting next few days. We'll see. Thanks very much, Eric. Have yourself Thanks a, a good lot, evening. Thanks a lot, Iceman.
<laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Let's head to break. You're listening to NHL This Week. We're live on TSN 1290. And now for Porter. Out of Cullen. Skating well. Cullen down the wing. Centers. Sprung. He scores! talked about this kid they knew he had speed and instinct and watch this release boom that's audio of daniel sprong scoring his first career nhl goal for the pittsburgh penguins he was a first round pick of the penguins this past draft welcome back to nhl this week one final segment it's brought to you by the jewish foundation of manitoba and their 40th annual luncheon philanthropy is a key pillar in a strong community that's why the Jewish Foundation of Manitoba is proud to have provided funding to over 200 organizations in 2014, supporting projects and programs that would otherwise go unfunded or underfunded. For more information about the Jewish Foundation of Manitoba or to purchase tickets to their 40th anniversary luncheon occurring tomorrow, we will be there, of course. Visit jewishfoundation.org or call 204-477-7520. Sprong was actually a second rounder. Pardon me. Uh... But shout out to Grant Sonier, who we've had on the show a bunch of times, GM of the Charlottetown Islanders. Sprong played um, in the QMJHL for Charlottetown. But no, it was an honest mistake because Sprong actually heading into the draft, a couple of months heading into the draft, he was projected to be a first-round pick. So it's all good. Well, he's Shocked you haven't dropped a pun yet, has he? Sprong. Sprong. There's a lot of uh, options there for... Uh for a pun, yeah. Sprong is wrong. You know, Sprong spring. Not spring, like that. spring has sprung. Bruce Sprongstein. Yeah, that's there what you I go. mean. Right? I there got you. Go. Well, in, in that case, <laughs> Daniel Sprong is even more unique. You know, the segment's going to be about the twenty about draft picks, first round draft picks who are right on the cusp of their nine game maximum before yep. they can slide the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a number of players that you know we're not even going to talk about. Eichel, obviously, McDavid, Nikolai Ehlers has clearly made the Winnipeg Jets. These guys are all clearly going to be on their rosters. Daniel Sprong yep. is a second round pick. You know, of this past year, so very rarely do you see a second round pick actually make their NHL team in their first year of NHL eligibility. He's played six games so far with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's got one goal. He's got no assists. He's got one point. He's averaging 10 minutes and 13 seconds time on ice per game. You know, it sounds like, you know, that he's going to remain with the Pittsburgh Penguins for the entirety of this season. Are you surprised about that? I'm not surprised because they don't really, I mean, I didn't mind some of their offseason moves, but as a whole, they have no organizational vision because their GM comes in for, what, two years apparently? They hired third or fourth coach on their on the checklist, and uh, they don't have an organizational vision, so I'm not surprised they're going to make a short-term decision here with a guy like that. I don't think they need to keep him up. Put him back down. You got a lot of forwards, really deep at forward. Uh, you got a lot of skilled forwards too, so I don't agree with that decision. But it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and we talked a couple of weeks ago with our good friend Mike Colligan, and nobody saw Daniel Sprong coming as far as making the team this year. Drew, I, I think most people expected that to be a couple of years away, but. This guy tore it up in the QMJHL. Like, he's got a lot of offensive ability. It's the defensive side of the game that is still a work in progress. So I, I have to agree with Richie. I, I think, you know, you send him back to the QMJHL, and you let him dominate there, and you bring him back. And their decision looks like, as you mentioned, is going to be keeping Sprong up. And that speaks to the, the goal-scoring problems that they're having. The Pittsburgh Penguins still are not where they want to be. I mean, Crosby and Malkin. Yeah, I mean, but if you have goal-scoring problems, then there's an 18-year-old well, kid is not going to help you. But but that's what I'm saying, though. I, I'm not saying that it's the right decision, Richie, yeah. but I'm saying that that's probably no, I, leading yeah. towards their decision 
is that the, they're, they're having a lack of yeah I, I wouldn't say that it isn't short-sighted um, but if you do make that decision you can't send him down to the AHL right and you can't send him back to junior because then you're going to mess with his confidence well we saw the Buffalo Sabres did that with who they do that with Grigorenko, Grigorenko, Grigorenko a couple Grigorenko, years yeah, ago yeah. where he played well, you know, he's, 30 he's games terrible. then they sent him down to the queue Grigorenko was missing practices though uh, that's true and, mm-hmm. and he was he was uh, upsetting Ted Nolan there so, I mean, Grigorenko's attitude was poor. Wow. So, Sprong is a different situation, but it's a point well taken nonetheless. Yeah, okay. Then how about Carolina? Noah Hannafin. He's played eight games so far. He's got two assists so far, playing almost 17 minutes time on ice uh, per yeah, game. He's different in the sense that he's not coming from the CHL. So, when you don't come from the CHL, he turns pro. He's already a pro. So, you're going to be burning an entry-level year regardless. I haven't watched Noah Hannafin a lot. I've only caught one or two games, and they've only been parts of games. But the guy can skate like just uh, he reminds me of Jay Bomeister. And, and that's what Craig Button said when we had him on before the draft. And I agree with Rich in the sense that I'm on, mistaken on that. If, if I you, think you are mistaken on that for for college age players. They can still slide their contract um, if they play in the age and stay in the age. Yeah. Maybe that. Yeah, if that's the case, I still don't see him going down. Anyways, if a player, t- yeah, so uh, yeah, but you can uh, read the clause if there's a clause there. Well, I'm just reading it. This is courtesy of General Fanager, who has a page specifically dedicated sure. to entry level slide candidates. Slide means you know you don't burn the year, the the first year of the contract. Players aged 18 or 19 as of September 15th, before the start of the season, are eligible for their contracts to slide by one year if they have not played 10 NHL games in a single season previously or in the current season. If a player turns 20 in the year that they sign the contract by December 31st they are not eligible for any entry level slides so Noah Hannafin uh, who was you know just drafted you know it's just 18 is eligible for for an entry level slide uh, yes yeah no I thought my understanding is incorrect I haven't looked at CBA in a while is, is the pro year because you can't put him back to NCA you can put him in junior hockey but that was my understanding you could go to junior hockey but if he plays in the A which is I assume what they would be considering here that would burn a year, but I, I'm, yeah. and, and I stand corrected. And regardless, Drew just has to let his backbone slide. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not even testing <laughs> that. Uh, Sam Reinhardt in Buffalo. He's played nine games now. He's got a goal and three assists for four points, 13 minutes and 11 seconds time on ice. Yeah, and again, to me, even though you know Reinhard, transitioning from Hannafin to Reinhardt, you're talking about two players that were both top five draft picks, mm-hmm. and they are future cornerstones of their respective franchises. And I think because those teams know that they're a long shot to make the playoffs, Richie, I think you keep both players up. And Sam Reinhart didn't play, uh, you know, as much as he wanted to in the NHL last year. And I think with Hannafin, again, that defense, they need him. Hayden Fleury, you know, Hannafin, Justin Falk, those guys are going to be the pillars of their defense. But, you know, Reinhardt, obviously the points aren't there, but the, the team as a whole has been struggling. But I don't see him going back to junior at this point. There's nothing really more to develop there, is there? Wouldn't think so. I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, you, you're not going anywhere as a team really this year. But I guess you just it's growing pains. You're going to have to have them in the NHL at that point in time. You know, it takes in a while. You might as well adjust a player to the NHL in a year where he's got no expectations. I, I don't know. I, I, I think, yeah, I see what you're saying there, Drew. I, I just, the expectations in Buffalo you want to get it sorted out. You don't really know what you have. And I think with him, you don't really know what you have. Pro-wise, I think you know what you have junior-wise. He's a little a guy that, you know, you questions there in terms of what can he be. So well, you his want game to transition. Develop. Right. Is he, is he a second liner? Is he a third liner? Right. Because right? his game is all offense, right? 
But no, Reinhardt's going to be a good player. And again, he's really young, and, and they knew that he was going to have growing pain. So I don't think they were in, ever intending to send him back to junior. Just like the Jets, I don't think we're ever intending to send Ehlers back to the to junior, and they're not. Well, we're he put him he put him in a tough position because he said he wasn't going to go back to junior. That's right. He didn't want to go. He didn't yeah. want to go back to. Uh, uh, to, to the QMJHL. Two guys in Vancouver. Vancouver being a bit of an interest, a different no. team in that they were a playoff team last year. Jake Vertanen and, and Jared McCann. Well, yep. I mean, McCann's just performing too well to be sent down. He's got four goals in uh, in seven games. Four goals, true. Yeah, I know. Jake Vertanen's only got one assist in six games. Different player, so you get a little bit of a buffer there. Vertanen, I'm interested to say. I'm not sure what they're going to do. He's the big body. He's the guy you think will be able to compete at a higher level in terms of the NHL uh style of play but McCann is probably the more cerebral player Vertan's more up and down winger so that's interesting but I don't think McCann with his production I don't think they can send him down like we're, we're not talking one goal on a Pittsburgh Penguins team we're talking four goals on a team that doesn't have a ton of offensive uh, uh, offensively proficient players mm-hmm. and has lacked the skill speed element so you know Dylan Larkin of the Detroit Red Wings has been announced that he's going to stay with the team. Yeah. He's proven yeah. his worth. Good uh, player. Yeah. Really good player. His numbers so far are, are you know, are NHL caliber, two goals, five yeah. assists. Played at University of Michigan. Yeah. In nine games. And then Robbie Fabry is an interesting guy. He was a, injured uh, right now. He's injured. Coming back from his concussion. But uh, another first-round pick in 2014. He's yep. got a goal in three games for the Blues. Blues, I think the big thing he's got going for him is the number of injuries the Blues have up front right now. Well, did you see that they gave Zubris and who else? Former Martin Havlath. Ha- I mean, <laughs> those guys. I, I realize Marty Broder is the assistant general manager there, but anyways, uh, Fabry, good little player, and yeah, he's going to get a chance in probably on that third line for the Blues. That's it for this Wednesday and NHL this week. Big thank you to our guest Mark Lazarus of the Chicago Sun Times and Eric Stevens of the OC Register. In case you missed any of the show, it's available for download on iTunes, on tsn1290.ca, and, of course, on illegalcurve.com. A big thank you to our sponsors, Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Bernstein's Deli, Zappia Group Realty, Jewish Foundation of Manitoba, Keener Jerseys, and Royal Sports. You can follow us on Twitter, at IllegalCurve, Facebook.com, slash IllegalCurve, and our website with the latest Winnipeg Jets news is IllegalCurve.com. For producer Chris and producer Rory, for Richard Pollock and Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. Until Saturday at 12 noon, we wish you good night and good luck.